Welcome to Straight Edge, the podcast. My name is Clive Allwright, and along with my amazing guests and co-hosts, we're going to be having some brutally honest and sometimes confronting conversations around all things of addictive behavior. Now, as it happens, I've been a hairdresser for 37 years, and during my career, I've met many people just like me that have also struggled in the many different areas of addiction. So our main focus of this podcast is to chat with as many people as possible from the hairdressing, barbering, and media industries, along with some pretty smart people that work in the fields of addiction to get a deeper understanding of why so many of us struggle with the balance of family, careers, health, and the day-to-day pressures of life. So if this sounds like an area you'd like to dive deeper into, make a cup of tea, sit back, and listen to Straight Edge, the podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Straight Edge, the podcast. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. It is lovely to be back in the studio. Yeah, I know. Again. I'm I... really happy to be back because we've done the last one online, and it Which always feels awesome. nicer when you're in the studio, right? But much better face-to-face. Now, we're, yeah. we're talking of face-to-face. We've got someone sitting opposite us that I'm super excited to talk to today. We do. Uh we are here with the wonderful Lisa G. Now, I know you've got an incredible story to share. Um, I do. You first came on our radar when you were recently on a 60 Minutes interview yes. where you yes. shared your story. And uh, yes. those of you that outside of Australia, yeah. I think they have 60 Minutes in the US as well. I think they do. A, I think they do a, have it in the US. It's a big delve into people's private mm. lives and, and mm. yours was definitely... Uh, an incredible story, right? It was a big dig. Yeah. yeah. It was a big dig. Yeah. On, and on watching to- that was just, you know, kind of, it really reminds you of lots of things that we've been through. And it was yeah. just like, wow, we need to get her on. And, you know, I watched it like you did. So there's no yeah. pre for me to see it. I sat on the on the couch and watched it at the yeah, same wow. time as everyone else did. Yeah. Now, you've been five years sober? Nearly five and a half. So, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much. So Very gonna, grateful. Those yeah. of you that didn't see the 60 Minutes or live outside of Australia, we're going to delve into a little bit of that story first. We'll mm-hmm. start off with you know how bad things got, what was yeah. your catalyst, and then... You do some incredible stuff now with mm. uh, on, with your Instagram page, which mm. we'll put the show in the show links. Thank you. Um, yeah. And and getting a message out there to other women. I mean, yeah. It was Amy that first said to me, yeah. we need to get Lisa on the show. Yeah. So. yeah. And, and I think one of the biggest things about Lisa, which I find amazing, is that we've all found different pathways to recovery and sobriety. Yeah. And, and, you know, fitness has been such a huge part Massive. of your life and your recovery. So before we delve right into all that, um, why don't we go right back to the start? I know lots about you, but I don't think our listeners do. So tell us all about Lisa. Lisa G. Um, I've got uh, parents who are still married. So I was brought up in a really loving home. I've got a sister, um, very fortunate to have great education and just no real reason to go down the drinking route. Um, No trauma to speak of lovely family holidays um, pets and schooling and bikes with baskets and flowers on the seat and and just a wonderful upbringing but with the benefit of hindsight I've never been comfortable in my own skin I never liked the girl who I was I like to um, give the comparison of Grease, the movie, Olivia Newton-John. That was my favourite, is my favourite movie. And I always wanted to be the Sandy in the black tights and the, the cigarette and the red lips. 
and I was always Sandra D. And I was the prefect at school and the good girl and my parents were strict and there was a lot of rules and I adhered to the rules. Mm. So I was Sandra D. And deep down I wanted to be that, get the black tights on and, and be the Sandy. And it wasn't who I was. Um, and when I had my first drink at 17, I wasn't an early drinker, I remember feeling those Lisa rules just mm. lessen. Mm. And I almost felt the tights coming on, you know, the Sandy tights coming on and Sandra D sort of disappeared. And I loved that feeling. And it was fine. I was still drinking um, normally. I wasn't drinking excessively. I would go out and have parties with friends, come home. I got married at, um, oh, my 20s were a very busy time. I, I was really into fitness. I went and did a sports science degree and I was the 80s aerobics chick at the local gym. Yeah. I loved teaching aerobics. <laughs> I loved it. I was did probably, you have the lycra and I did have the lycra <laughs> and the, you know, the whole lot. And that was probably another Olivia, right, from yeah. physical. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's where I met my husband um, at the local gym. So the 20s were a very busy time. I did my sports science degree and at 25, we got engaged at 26. We got married at 27. I had Lara and at 29, I had Cooper. Wow. So it was a very busy time. But throughout all of that, even though we were young and we had no money and mm. we just had fun and I'd found my soulmate, my soulmate, my Prince Charming, and we loved life. We loved being together drinking fine. Alcohol was not part of the equation in any way other than just go out and have a glass of wine like others. I could always drink well, mm. but it wasn't a problem. It wasn't yeah. problematic at that time at all. Again, I was probably not 100% comfortable in my skin, yet outwardly, I looked mm. very happy. Yeah, I was married, I had two kids, and everything looked fine. Um, do you mind if I ask you sure. about that in terms of before you move on, mm. like when you say, you know, you didn't feel comfortable in mm. your skin, like I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. I can relate to that. Mm. It was definitely a big part of my story. What did it look like for you? What was it? Was it a physical thing? Is it who you are? Were those two things not connecting? Like, I think it was all of that. Mm. I, I have these very high expectations of myself. Yeah, Perfectionism is a, is a massive part of my story. And I wanted to be a size six. I wanted to be the popular girl. And I was the, I was the Sandra D. Mm. I was the, the rule girl. And so when I had that initial drink, you know, I wanted to be the girl who would go to a party and jump in the pool fully clothed because that was funny. Yeah. And Sandy <laughs> D would never do that, but Sandy would. Yeah. You know, so that would that would just turn off the Lisa rules. I always yeah. talk about them as Lisa rules. But I just I wanted to be this outwardly spontaneous and it's not really who I am now with the benefit of five years sobriety. Yeah. But the rules were so strict. And if I didn't adhere to them, I would have to nub those um, with... What would be an example of that with the rules? Uh, if perhaps I'd bought a pair of jeans, let's say with regard to how I looked, if I bought a pair of jeans and they didn't quite fit the way I wanted them to fit. You know, I, I've never been the straight up and down girl, so I've got a booty and I didn't like that. So I would buy these 
jeans that were probably a size too small, put them on and think, well, you're pathetic because these jeans don't fit you well. So I guess there's an element of eating or disordered eating in that as well because that was another way of controlling who I was um, because I wasn't happy. But the images and the, and the rules, mm. you know, I had to be this and I, I would weigh myself every morning. And um, so, yeah, there is, there's disordered eating in, the, in my journey as well, yeah. or in my story. Um, but Todd was always, my gorgeous husband who I adore was, you're just so beautiful, Lisa. I love you so much. And I used to think, sure deep down he's probably thinking he wants that girl with no bottom like yeah (laughs) what are you talking about that is just stupid it's such girl thinking isn't it i know and i I said this on on my story as well you know like our era was no butts that's right right. and that's what people don't understand is we grew up in an era where it was straight up and down the cape moss and the thin and the you know the, the 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 models yeah that's right and now you've got kim kardashian Hello. I know. <laughs> like, I know. It's so exciting. And now everyone's in the gym yeah. trying to get a bigger butt. And getting implants in their butts. Exactly. And who knew? <laughs> who knew that that's where we were going to end up? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, there was those, there was very strict rules. And, you know, I think that that was probably one of the reasons I got into, I went and did my sports science degree because I thought I'll learn about nutrition. I'll learn how I can fix myself but beyond that, I always wanted to help others. I've always had that in me. And now I realise I can't, I can't help others. I can only support. But by learning about food, nutrition and exercise, I thought I can help myself and then I can help others to feel empowered. Yeah. And that's why one of the reasons I did this degree. Um, but again, it actually just amplified my rules. Yeah. Because yeah. by learning more, I thought, well, that's, I've got more things I have to achieve and I have to adhere to. Um, yeah, it was it was just crazy rules. I've got this great expression now where I say, I'm, I'm happy and hungry. I'm happy now and I'm hungry for more. I'm happy now and I'm hungry for more. And I think you can have both. I want to be happy now and I'm friggin' happy now, but I don't want to ever get complacent. Complacency terrifies me with mm. alcoholism yeah. and with life. I never want to be just complacent. I want to be happy, but hungry for more. And yeah. that's what I couldn't get my head around. I was always hungry for more and not happy. Yeah. Now I've got to get that balance. And it's, you know, yeah. it's evolving. Yeah. But I'm so much better about living in the moment, but striving. So you were in your 20s mm. and you've had your kids. Yep. And, you know, you, you, you're obviously on a career path that you want to be on. How did that then obviously lead to destruction yeah um i always wanted to be a mum and a worker if i could do it so i started my own little business and and i wanted to be there for the kids so i started mums and bubs walking clubs and and then we'd do things in the parks with other women so i could empower them and i could still be a mum so todd's todd was out doing the work and his start started to rise fairly quickly in in um footy circles and and sports management and he's very clever at what he does and I was so, and I still am so very proud of, of what he does. Um, and I love, I was going to say loved, but I love being his wife and he's standing by his side. And when he got to the, to the big job of the NRL, the CEO of the NRL, that was probably at a time where I had closed my gym. I'd had a gym for a period of time and I closed it because I could see that I needed to spend, I, I thought I wanted to spend time 
being Todd's wife and and that was actually probably not a great move. Um, but I had been, my drinking was starting to escalate a little bit at this stage. So I closed the gym and I lost my way. Mm. I completely lost my way. I lost my purpose. The kids were, I think, 16 and 18, so not really needing me as much anymore. And I didn't need, the, I gave up helping my clients. Todd was super busy. We were going out and people would stop us everywhere we went, could you take a picture of your husband and I? Could you take a picture? And because my self-belief, self-love, self-worth was so low, I think every time someone asked me to take a photo of them, I thought, well, that's, I'm just hopeless. I'm a loser. I've got nothing to add. If I had healthy self-love, I would have said, how great is that, that Mm. my husband can give these people some joy by having a photo? But every tick in the box for him was a cross for me, mm. which isn't healthy. Yeah. Wow. So then I would try to have a few more drinks. But it was it was in the open. But I was starting to drink more and more quickly. And again, his star rose to a very, very high level. And by this stage, I wasn't working. Kids didn't need me. And I was in the poor Lisa has nothing to add. Poor Lisa is a loser, a screw up. And I think we're going out with really high profile people. They're not going to want to talk to me. I've got no value to add here. Mm. I have no job. I'm not helping people. That was always my passion and my purpose. The kids don't even need me. Todd's got people surrounding him all the time. He doesn't need me. I'm pathetic Mm. and the only way I could think of amping up that self-esteem was through a drink because it numbed the Lisa rules and it also made me feel great and I truly thought ah I've got this so it went from being a couple of glasses sneaky glasses in the back cupboard Mm. Mm. to being a bottle to Mm. being two Mm. and in early days no one really noticed even the family didn't really notice because I was Lisa party girl, I was Lisa fun girl, happy girl. No one noticed outside. But the mask that I was wearing, which now I can see what I'd even started to wear in my 20s. And everyone has a mask. It's okay to have yeah. a mask. <clears throat> yeah. So long as you can take it off when required. My mask was super glued to my face by this stage and it was so freaking heavy. Mm. It was exhausting. Mm. And because I needed more and more alcohol in my mind to function and to be fun Lisa, happy Lisa, it was it was just pulling me down and the kids would then say, they weren't silly, mm. they would say, Mum, can you please not drink today? And Todd would say, when we're going out, can you not drink before you go? And I remember thinking, how did they know? Yeah. Stupid, like you mm. can smell it. Yeah. You know, and my daughter always says to me, she could see it in my eyes, she said, your eyes used to go to this funny place. And I look back now at photos, my eyes were dead. Yeah. Just dead. So I could put the smile and the mask, but it never, the happiness never went as high as my eyes. I couldn't hide it mm-hmm. in that way. And I couldn't smile. I remember always saying, why can't I smile? My lips would never turn up mm. because it was so inauthentic. Yeah. So inauthentic. Yeah. And yet I'd put the mask on, off I'd go, I'd frock up. I had this stage, I had the waterfront home, the BMW, beautiful designer clothes. 
And that made me feel more guilty. Yeah. Why yeah. aren't I happy? Yeah. Do, do you think that, obviously, your husband being the C, was it the CEO of the NRL, NRL which is yeah. the National Rugby League, which yeah. is yeah. a huge, huge job. Massive yeah. job. I would imagine you'd be meeting some pretty important people Absolutely. along the side, like I'm thinking world leaders, prime ministers, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, do you think that yeah. the alcohol, I, I'm just putting sure. myself in your position. Mm-hmm. I would think, God, if I'm going to go and meet those mm. people, I'm going to need a drink before I go in there. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I don't want to come across as being. Which is I'm just weird, an aerobics instructress. I'd gone back to my head saying, I'm just an aerobics instructress. Um, not, I've studied four years for sports science. Not, I'm also a mum. And but I, I put myself down at this level of absolute basement. Yeah. Everyone else was in the penthouse. Yeah. I'm in the basement. Yeah. And I'd forgotten I had the power of choice to press that button and get up to the penthouse. Yeah. I was just, I've got nothing to add. Mm. And if you don't have self-belief, mm. you've got nothing. Yeah. And I thought, I cannot talk to these people unless mm. I've had some wine. Mm. So you mentioned that you were drinking before you went out mm. to these big functions. Um, I'm sure it just wasn't one or two no. for courage, right? It was progressive. And that 18 months that I was seriously out of control, it had probably got to two bottles. Mm. Before you left the house? Yeah. <gasps> mm. Wow. Yeah. And right at the end... Was that wine? It was any, It was predominantly wine, but right. I never got to beer, but I was also um, little bottles of spirits and anything I could get my hands on just to get that numbness. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. And towards the end, which we'll get to, but um, it would start early in the morning as well. It wasn't, it, it was, I guess, the early stage of falling apart, yeah. still going to functions. Yeah. It was a bottle or two before I go. And then, because I didn't want to drink so quickly at a function because I thought people will notice that I'm such a fast drinker. Yeah. yeah. So I needed to do the embarrassing behavior at home. Mm. And then I could drink like everyone else, like a lady, mm. when wow. I got to the functions. Mm. Um, so you've already got that numbness yes. and buzz, if you want to call it that, yeah. before you get there. Yeah. Um, and how did you feel? Did you feel drunk? I probably felt a little buzzed. I felt a little... Um, I just felt confident. I felt confident. And it's, it's such a long time ago now that I... I remember there were times when I felt that woozy sort of feeling, mm. but it's so progressive. Mm. It's it's that, just, yeah. you know, Definitely I normalised right it as we all do, but I, I normalised that feeling and I normalised it again and I normalised it again yeah. until it is what it is in the morning. Did your friends know that you were drinking in the no. morning? No one had any clue of the amount I was drinking and the fact that it was so secretive reinforced to me that it was wrong mm. so you knew it was wrong I knew it was wrong that's why I was hiding it yeah but I, I couldn't stop yeah were you hiding bottles around the house absolutely yeah I had them it's an exhausting process when I think back to addiction days it's an exhausting process you're having to wrap bottles in newspaper or towels or whatever so that and put them in my boot when no one's looking because they clunk if yeah. you're driving out and then trying to find different bins because I've already filled up the bin in my house and I need to go to the neighbours and fill that up but people might see me coming out and then I need to go around the corner and it's wow. like trying to buy wine from different places because how many times can I keep telling people that I'm having a party 
Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. an exhausting process. So on, on the average day, what mm-hmm. were you consuming? Um, there's, when it, there's no such thing as an average day when you're no, drinking, No, there wasn't. There? It, was, it was minimum two bottles a day. Right. Yeah. Minimum two bottles a day. Mm-hmm. And then probably a little, if I'd go and buy some wine, I'd see the little spirit bottles behind the mm-hmm. counter, you know, the little ones. So yeah. I'd get some of those because they were just an easy little top Shop. And so you weren't doing any fitness at this point, right? I was still training. I was still training. Um, the family was still living at home. Um, I would screw up badly in that I it was I was starting to show because I would um, slur my words. I could feel myself slurring my words, and I would talk slowly to try to control the slur. Yeah, because I could feel that. Whether that was noticeable to just me, I don't know, but it felt like it was noticeable to everyone, definitely to my husband and definitely to the children. Yeah. Um, and then I'd get home and I would black out. And mm. I'd say, oh, you know, I'm up at 5 a.m. every morning. Give me a break. i get up and i train hard. But then I would set the alarm for 5, mm. having been smashed that night before and probably have half skull some wine before I went out the door, do a 10K run and wow. think... How did you do that? Because I thought I deserve to feel sick. Yeah. You deserve to feel horrible because mm. you are a self- selfish, abhorrent, disgusting human being. Mm. And I wanted to punish myself for what I was doing to the people around me because the three most important people in the world, Todd and my kids, every time I looked in their eyes, mm. and I can still see it, the pain I was causing them. That makes me feel really sad. It broke me. But m- but more so the, the, the how you said I, I wanted hated, to punish hated myself. Yeah. I despised myself. I would look in the mirror and the girl staring back at me was selfish and a liar. And they're the two personality cr- characteristics that I despise. Mm. And she would look back at me and I thought, you are you are despicable you don't deserve to be on this earth do you know that's that that's very relevant in my story because i couldn't look at myself Mm -hmm. in the mirror it took me till i got sober to actually stare myself in the mirror and i remember just because i just hated what i was looking at and uh yeah i really relate to that lie do they your eyes do not lie Mm. and it was all and i can remember so I don't want to jump in and take no. over your story here, but I can remember going to Aldi, I'm not allowed to mention that, but buying cheap alcohol and wanting it to really hurt me. Yeah. Mm. Like, the, mm. I think that the expensive stuff would make me sophisticated. Yeah. Mm. That's what I'd start off with, and yeah. then I'd end up at Aldi's with the shakes and going, right, yeah. I just hate myself so much, I'm going to drink something really nasty, yeah. and I'll show you how much I can hurt myself. Mm. And mm. that's that real fine line of being a victim, isn't it? Which I, yeah. I again, I hate victims. I despise poor me, poor me. Yeah. yeah. And that's what alcohol does. Yeah. yeah. It takes you down a route that, or took me down a route that I would never choose to have yeah. or choose to go down. But I, I really despised myself. Mm. And the, the pain that I was causing the people who I loved, it's like the pebble in the pond. I was the pebble and the ripples were just hurting everyone Mm, mm. but I didn't think about it as hurting me I just saw it as hurting others and what was the catalyst for them the catalyst was um, once they were aware 
of what I was doing and they were finding the bottles and I'd go and hide them somewhere else or, you know, but it was starting to become very obvious because I was, I was so broken. Um, Todd had got some advice from a psychologist and she had said, if it's as bad as you're telling me, my advice is you give Lisa a, an ultimatum. If she drinks again, you move out. However it's like with a child, if you are going to give that threat, it can't be idle, you have to follow through. Yeah. yeah. And it, he said it was a really tough one and they came home one day and I was blacked out on the floor and I said, oh, I've just I've been up training and whatever. And they said, if you do this again, mum, oh, sorry, it was Todd. If you do this again, Lise, we're leaving. And I went, yeah, whatever. And the next, oh, it was a couple of days later, they came home and I was blacked out, passed right. out on the floor. Mm. And they packed their bags mm. and they left. And they walked out of our beautiful home, you know, on the water, left me with my designer clothes and my BMW and... Wow. And, I, you know, I would love to say that that was my rock bottom, mm. Mm. but it wasn't mm. because my initial reaction was, see ya, I don't even have to hide the bottles anymore. Yeah, because that's just giving you, like, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Todd said as he got to... Still gives me goosebumps. Mm. As he got upstairs to the car, he said he sobbed and sobbed and said, I may never see my wife alive again, but he had to do that. Wow. And I say that is he saved my life, but he had to take a Gosh. chance. And I was suicidal. Yeah. The contemplation was there, but not initially. As I said, initially it was like the selfishness and the and the... the the horrific nature of this disease mm. is I was like, great. But again, knowing that I despised myself so much, I didn't sleep in my bed. I thought, I don't deserve a bed. I actually don't deserve to sleep in a bed. So I slept on the floorboards. Wow. I, would, I went and bought a whole lot of wine and I would neck them from the bottle and black out on the floorboards, wake up, look around and think... Why are there empty bottles all around me? Mm. I love order. I love neatness. Yeah. I crave mm. beautiful. Mm. What is this? And I went, oh. And I drink blackout, drink blackout, cry blackout, drink blackout. I didn't shower. Wow. I didn't train. Mm. I didn't put on my beautiful clothes. Mm. Mm. I just, for it was about three or four weeks. Wow. I just drank and I'd get back in the car. I'd go and buy another big crate of wine. People said they popped in to see me. I vaguely remember, but not really. And so they, you were just on your own for that whole time? Yeah, with my little dog. My little dog didn't leave my side. Gosh. He mm. just sat with me and slept. And and I just... I, I was imploding. Mm. I, and the more I drank, the more I hated myself. So you were three or four weeks... On your own. Did anyone contact... Like, what about your husband and your kids? Did they contact you during that I time? D I really don't remember. Wow. I, I just... My prime focus mm. was getting as much alcohol in me as I could. So, you, you, your family's left. And now you're in this state of oblivion, I guess. Oblivion. And completely alone. Yeah. And, you know, what was going through your mind? Not much. Mm. More just alcohol. Just the next drink. Yeah. Yeah. When can I get the next drink? Yeah. When can I get it in me? And I didn't have to be accountable to anyone. Yeah. 
I did not have to be accountable. There were slivers of, I'm so broken, I'm a screw up, I'm the world's worst mother and wife. And when I got to the stage of thinking, I'm done, mm. after about that three week of rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Yeah. And I, I actually do remember them people calling in and saying, oh, why don't you try a 12-step program? Mm. Um, and I remember thinking, I'm too good for 12-step. I'm not going to sit on plastic chairs and drink instant coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only laughing. Ridiculous. Do you know, I shouldn't laugh at that. I'm only laughing. It's just because, like, I know the first time that Clive went to a meeting, what he stood up and said. (laughs) Yeah, you know what, though? It saved my life. Yeah, yeah. Well, last thing um, I try the first thing. That yeah. Worked. yeah, and it's funny you get really used to instant coffee after a while. I was raised on instant coffee. It was like yeah. going back yeah. to being pure again. Yeah. Um, but what an ego but, to say yeah. that. I mean, it's ludicrous. Mm. So mm. I, I kept going, and then I thought, towards the end of that sort of three and a half, four weeks, there was some sort of moment of perhaps clarity where I thought I need to try something to show my, not for me, to show my family that I'm, I'm doing this do for it. them. Mm. That, but in the same breath, I thought, I remember calling Todd and saying, I'm going to go to a 12-step meeting. Mm. And what I didn't tell him was I was ending it on the way home. Wow. I was driving off the cliff. Wow. Because I wanted to show them that... I wanted to show them that I really cared. Yeah. Yeah. And that I wanted to fix me. But more than fixing me, I wanted to fix their pain. And so when I hear people talk about suicide, I... um. When you're in that such a low phase, it's not being selfish. In my mind, it was, I am ruining everyone around me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have ruined Todd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have ruined the kids. They'll cry. Mm. They'll be upset for a day, maybe two. But they will get, Todd will get a much better wife Mm. and the kids will get a better mother. They'll be sad for a bit, but they deserve better. And then I went to this 12 step and I went far away from home because Todd had the profile and I thought, how embarrassing if the media see me going into a 12 step meeting Mm. Todd Greenberg's wife's an alcoholic. Isn't it Mm. funny, eh? We're so concerned about people seeing us go into a meeting. Yeah. But we're quite happy to go into the bottle shop, yeah. the liquor store, and buy cases and of wine case. every day, yeah. and then go. Well, and not, be, don't worry about that. No. It must have been a pretty good meeting for you to. Do you know? I sat down, and it was um, about an hour's drive, and this girl came and sat next to me, and I call her my angel to this day. She was all dressed in designer. I don't even know what I had. I don't think I'd showered. I must have stunk. Mm. And she sat down, and she was designer and jewellery and diamonds and I thought she must be lost she must <laughs> be in the wrong place Yeah, she mustn't know this is a 12 step meeting Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she said she could tell in my eyes what I was going to do 
Yeah, wow. But it was like someone had opened the window a centimetre. I don't remember what I read or what was read or what was spoken about, but it was like a little bit of fresh air had come in the window mm. and maybe, just maybe, I could be fixed. Yeah. So she took me for a coffee afterwards and she said, you're an alcoholic. I said, I don't want to be. Mm. She said, you have no choice. You are an alcoholic. Um, addiction's not a choice. Recovery is, and that's a catch cry I use all the time with the girls I mentor. Addiction's not a choice. Recovery is. And she said, you get home, you get yourself into a rehab centre. Right. That's what I did. And I right. looked at her and I thought, hmm. Mm. And she said, this isn't your fault. Mm-hmm. But you can't use this isn't your fault forever. Yeah. Mm. So take some ownership. Yeah. So I got in the car and I didn't drive off the cliff. I go drove home. I rang the reco- uh, the rehab centre. Mm. Wow. I rang, um, told me to say, I said, Todd, I'm going to go to rehab. And I'd been to a rehab previously that year and I'd gone for the kids. Yeah. And I went to Thailand and it was, I did three weeks and went, see, I'm not an alcoholic because I didn't drink. Yeah. So I just yeah. came home and went, eh. But this one I was doing for me. Yeah. And for my family. Yeah. Not just for the family. Yeah. And I checked myself in and, um, yeah, I haven't had a drink since then. I guess it's congratulations. You managed to get, well, you saw enough. Yes. You felt enough to realise if I don't do something, this is going to end horribly, right? Yeah, um, and that's just benefit of hindsight. At the time, I didn't know that that's what I was feeling. But I, I just couldn't see the pain in everyone else. Mm. So taking yourself off to rehab. Yes. Checking yourself in. Yeah. And we've spoken about this on other episodes mm. that you, no one can do it for you. No. You've actually got to call and say, yeah. this is what I want to do. Yeah. Tell us about yeah. that and how that, that must have been terrifying. It was terrifying, but before I briefly go on to that, there were some people, a great um, statement you just made, there were some people in the rehab who were there for their families, were there for the courts, were there for the police, and... They weren't there for themselves and they didn't get the the success. They didn't get this fabulous opportunity to learn how to manage this disease. So for me, to see that was like I could see the comparison of I am here to get well for me. I'm not here for the police. I'm not here so that I don't go to jail. And that was a really big thing for me to see because I just assumed because if we all have our own lens I just thought everyone's here to get well Mm. so that was a really thank you for bringing that up because I just remembered that Mm. but I was there literally to get well Mm. initially for my family so that I didn't see the pain I was causing them but I very quickly learned I had to do it for me because you did mention to me outside the studio Mm. before we started that you had gone to Thailand yes. and done a rehab before. Yes, I went to a three-week one. you did mention to me outside of the studio that, mm. you, I mean, there's a difference in mindset, isn't it? There's mm. going to do the one, as you mentioned, in Thailand where you had really no intention of stopping no. because you told me that you would try to order wine on the flight on the way home. Yeah. Did yeah. you? Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, God. I, I mean, I only have to laugh no, just absolutely. because, like, I think probably all of us have been in that situation. Yeah. I went to the three 
purely to keep my family happy, get them off my case. Yeah. And I just thought, I'll give this a go. And, you know, the the ego and the selfishness of me, I don't think I've ever shared this before, was that when the family dropped me at the airport and I was terrified, I was going on a plane on my own and the ego was right. Well, you're sending me away. Guess what I'm going to do? And my husband had given put some money in my account so that I could go shopping for the kids, you know, in the markets or whatever. I went upstairs to Gucci and bought shoes and a bag and went, screw you all. Well, if you're going to send me to Thailand, this is what I do. I went and spent the family money on shoes and a bag and went, yep, I'm mm-hmm. off to rehab and I'm getting duty free. Yeah. I mean, that's horrific now to yeah. think back on. But that's that was the selfishness and that shows me where my mind was at. I wasn't doing this to get well. Yeah. So I went, I did the three weeks and went, see, I'm not yeah. going to because I can do three weeks and please can I have some wine on the way home. Mm. Wow. Did you immediately go... Like, was it worse after you got back from that first it was. detox? So that was probably about February. Mm. And it was, um, my my uh, sober date is 30th of June. So there was several more so then months. You, that's when your husband basically, and took the kids and said, Absolutely. and, and mm. made that statement. Yes. He didn't know if he's going to see you alive yeah. again. Yeah. So you, things have come to a real mm. pinnacle here, yeah. haven't they? So yeah. tell us what it was like. I mean, I know you're not really meant to share what happens in those places, sure, but how did you, sure you know, because a lot of great, st- I, I guess what I'm trying to say is a lot of great stuff has happened in your life in the last mm. five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's go, let's happens. go on the, on the, on the, and there was obviously a catalyst, a turning point, and it just doesn't happen overnight, right? No, it there's, doesn't. It's, there's, a, there's a wave, you have that pink cloud, as yes. they call it, the honeymoon period. And let's they go alert into you that. to that in rehab. So in rehab, I, I went back, I took off the black sandy tights and I put on the Sandra D outfit and went, I'm here to learn. Yeah. And I was literally Sandra D. Anything that was optional, I'll do it. Anyone who, um, we need someone to go and collect all the bath towels, I'll do it. I just, something had switched in my head and I don't even know what it was, Mm. but it was like I have a second chance here to fix myself. And since that, the girl I call my angel who I met at the 12 Steps said, you know, there is no cure, there is a management, you can manage this. It was, it, that resonated with me and I thought, mm. maybe I can. Mm. So I took every opportunity there. Yeah. I was like the prefect of the um, of the rehab. I just <laughs> wanted to do everything and learn everything, yeah. take every opportunity. Yeah. And I was also very conscious that yes, I would come out after three weeks and um, be on that pink cloud. But I also, the, the Lisa rules that had been detrimental to me before I could use to my advantage here to say, okay, I have to follow a program. I have to do meetings. I have to read. I have to, the things that were going to keep me safe, the rules that were detrimental to me before actually yeah. worked in my favour. Yeah. So I didn't want thinking time. Thinking time to me was very dangerous. Mm. And I, I find that a lot with the girls I mentor in early sobriety. Yeah. I said, let's keep ourselves busy. Yeah. Until we get to the stage where we're comfortable with alcohol around us, keep busy so that your brain's not going to go back to what it knows, which yeah. is drinking. Default setting. Yeah. Absolutely. And that takes yeah. a while. As yeah. you were talking, it, I mentioned this on my episode, mm. and it, it, it was almost like it flashed up as a light in front of my eyes. And there was a moment, and, it's, and the word is teachable. Mm. I remember sitting with myself and I and I said this in the episode if I am not 
open to be teachable. I don't even know if that's such a word, yeah. but I'm in deep, deep trouble here. Absolutely. And I and I actually thought, no, stop trying to do things your way. Yeah. And that's what got you into trouble in the first place. Listen yeah. to what these people <laughs> yeah. are telling me. And for God's sake, just do what they say. Yeah. And... It's funny, even the interview we've had this week um, with with Peter said the same thing. I think everyone who goes into sobriety have that struggle of, I'm not like them. I can do this on my own, you know. And then actually when, when you get into that, it's that moment of going, well, I have to do what they tell me yeah. because that works and what I was doing doesn't work. Yeah. Well, yeah, Lisa's yeah. way got me into rehab. Yeah. So I could take advantage of this opportunity um, and, and I did, and yeah. I really did. How, how long were you in the rehab I was for? in there for three weeks. Right. They did want me to do another program for two weeks, but I felt yeah. confident enough that I could adhere to the program. Yeah. And fitness at that stage, I've always loved my fitness, loved my exercise, as we discussed, and that was and still is a massive part of my recovery. And, you know, as they say, sometimes you swap the witch for the bitch. And so I guess fitness can be a little bit like that. You know, I can get addicted to fitness, yeah. but it's a far better addiction to have. But I yeah. just know as a, a sports scientist, the hormones that release, the positive vibe, the, that feeling of, ah, oh, mm. I've got self-esteem, self-belief, self-worth. And when I didn't have that, I looked for it in the bottle. I can get it through a run. I can get it through some training. I can get it through sharing my fitness knowledge with others. That to me was vital and it just reminded me of another story when we were in rehab we weren't allowed to run mm. we do beach walks every day but you weren't allowed to run because that was a little more addictive i guess right. so i would do this walk that was full pelt and they'd say lisa slow down <laughs> i'm walking i'm walking and when they weren't looking i'd turn around i'd do like this on soft, <laughs> off soft sand because I just had this yeah. great, I was feeling great. And mm. I was like, Woo, I would have been at the back yeah. like a donkey on Blackpool Beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have circled back and get to oh, <laughs> You keep going, Lise. You'll just be like got, dragging yourself through the sand. Just taking these kids for a walk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's extreme, it's okay. But, yeah, fitness to me is vital. And yeah. I always say to people, it's about like like sobriety, it's, it's consistency, not intensity. Mm. So if, let's put my sports scientist hat on. If someone came to me and said, can you train me for a, um, a half marathon? I wouldn't say, get your shoes on, let's do a 20K now. I'd say, let's walk to the letterbox and back. Now let's run. Yeah. And it's the same with sobriety. Yeah. That one day at a time, which sounds so cliche, it mm. is so incredibly true. Because when I met my sponsor, um, <laughs> she said to me, yes, I'll take you on and yes, I'll, I'll sponsor you, etc." And I said, oh, I'm not really sure about this one day at a time. And she said, why? And I said, well, what am I going to do um, when my daughter gets engaged? Oh, sorry, when my daughter gets married. And she said, oh, is she, is she getting married? I said, no, no. And she said, is she engaged? I said, no, but she, <laughs> but she will one day. Like that yeah. stupid forward thinking. Yep. And I'm not going to be able to celebrate with her champagne. There was still all those blocks in my brain and those links that alcohol was for celebration how am I going to get through life? I couldn't even comprehend. And I have to be honest enough to say, when I first started sobriety, I truly had a belief that I'm going to learn to drink like a lady. There was still that element, yeah. that small element, I'll learn to drink like a lady. That whole never drink again was too overwhelming. So I understand why one day at a time works 
for me. Yeah. Because thinking I'll never drink at my daughter's <coughs> wedding, I'll never drink. And she wasn't even engaged, she didn't have a boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was so stupid. But, yeah. but that really correlated link of celebration and drinking, mm. I, I just I, rem- I remember break. someone saying to me, they they couldn't get their head around the thought of when their son turned 18, They mm. if they were, if I'm never going to drink again, if I can't have a beer with my son, that's going to be just the worst thing ever. And he said it took yeah. me till four o'clock that same day of delving into this mm. spiral to, to realise that I didn't have a son. That's how alcohol is baffling, yeah. cunning that and is. powerful because he's like, oh, yeah. I haven't even got one. So... <laughs> Come have a beer with him. That's how, because you think yeah. we've yeah. all been there. Like, oh well, what, yeah. what happens when like my, yeah. you know, there's mm. there's things coming up in my life, and I'm like, I'm actually flipping the narrative now. So I'm yeah. like, I'm really proud that I won't be drinking that day because yeah. I know I'm not going to destroy it. Yeah, yeah. Right, because yeah. there's I'll that other flip us. of the coin, isn't it? And you'll remember yeah. everything, That's and you exactly enjoy right. and embrace every moment. Yeah, but I guess that shows you the power of addiction is that it will give you any reason. And that great analogy that addiction... I see addiction as like, what was the... Um, was it the Grim Reaper, the um, the AIDS campaign, that mm. ugly big skeleton thing? Mm. Addiction is doing push-ups at the end of your bed, and I see it like the big Grim Reaper. Yeah. And I and I think, you're doing 10 push-ups, I'm doing 20. Yeah. You're doing mm-hmm. 50, I'm doing 100. You are not going to break me. Yeah. I, and it's so strong, though. Mm. And, you know, one thing I never gave a thought to, which um, I realised the other day, I thought... The more sober I got, the more my disease would decrease. And someone very smart said to me, do you know, just like your nails grow, your hair grows, your disease grows with you. And I said, what? And she said, yeah, your disease is growing as you're growing. I said, so it's not lessening. And she said, no. So she said, and that's why we have to stay always vigilant focused. and focused and consistent because it's not getting that's smaller. That's so true because we hear this a lot that when people think, We've got this now. I've got my, my life's going in all the directions yeah. that I want to go. I'm getting fit. I'm getting healthy. Yeah. I've got a lot of time back. And I've heard this statement on another podcast where someone referred to it as you never fix the roof when it's raining. Yeah. You always fix the roof when it's a sunny day. You prepare for the rain. Very right. True. And that's that really stuck with Very me true. because mm. it's when you're having a great time is when that addiction will go will say to you yeah, oh you're you're okay you. now mate you know what you can actually have a beer if yeah. you've proven to yourself you're fine and that's the yeah. current with all of us and i've heard that voice i mean I yeah if you have i've heard that 100 say you know i think i might have been two years sober and i was fairly not confident not cocky but comfortable comfortable to have alcohol in the house and lara had uh, my daughter had some drinks with some friends over and and she said, are you okay, Mum? Put him away. I said, absolutely. I went downstairs. And I came up the stairs holding two half bottles of wine. And this voice said, Whoa. no one will know. No one will know. And it was yeah. like it had mm. a microphone. Yeah. And mm. I had to stop because it it actually gave rise to vomit in my throat. And I and I said, actually, you were, I'm not no one. I'm yeah. someone. You're worth it. And yeah. I poured it down the sink. And went and sat outside and called my sponsor. Amazing. And I just thought, that voice, mm. it's so you know, strong. That's, and that's I a had very, to just... But also, yeah. congratulations. Yeah. Because you know, to put yourself that. in that situation, I know mm. it took me nearly four years. Um, I'm sidetracking here, but I got my responsible service of alcohol oh, when wow. I was four years um, sober. 
or maybe three and a half, yeah. purely because I was doing a job that I needed to have it on the premises because yeah. they served alcohol. Yeah. I was the only person that had, uh, that wasn't drinking, and I was mm. the only person that had been thrown out of a bar. But but <laughs> <Yeah>. to, <laughs> wow. But um, yeah. but but I remember the first time someone made drinks in front of me and I could smell it mm. and I had to go and take these these drinks over to, to someone and um, and I, I had exactly the same thought. Mm. I no, thought, no, no. do you know what? No one in this building knows that I'm sober and I could quite mm. easily come and make myself mm. a drink here. Yeah. And... And then I was, and then you fast forward the tape, right? That's exactly right. Play the movie forward to the credits, and yeah. the credits are always the same. I'm blacked out on the ground, without a family. Yeah. So that's what I that's what I really use all the time is play that movie forward. Forward. Yeah. And the credits and they don't change. Yeah. Mm. Credits are always the same. So mm. live in the moment, enjoy the moment. Yeah. And you know we've all got a choice. I'm I'm such a strong advocate of the power of choice. That is one thing we all have, mm. and it is an incredible power that we forget. Five and a half years ago, mm. I forgot mm. that I had the power of choice. I thought it was my destiny to lay broken on the floor. Yeah. I'd forgotten that. I could choose to pick myself up at any time, but I didn't until I did. Yeah. And now every day I say I have the power of choice. I can choose whether to go for a walk this morning. It was raining. I chose to go for a walk because I know I play the movie forward to the end of that and I feel good. I choose every day whether to pick up a drink. Yeah. And people say to me, oh, you can't drink, Lisa. That's sad. And I, and I used to say in early days, oh, no, I can't drink. And I've changed that language really quickly. And I... Um, I recommend or I suggest, I never um, lecture, I suggest to the girls I work with, let's change the language and say, I choose not to drink because mm. it's disempowering to say, I can't drink and it yeah. puts us back into victim. Yeah. I choose not to drink. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so Why much. would I want yeah. to? I choose yeah. not to drink. It gives me the power. And power of choice yeah. gives us our power back. Yeah, definitely. And that's so... That's phenomenal. Mm. You know, power of choice is something I bang on a lot mm. because it's so phenomenal. So what, what else have you been doing then over the last, obviously, yeah. five and a half years? Like your life now, you know. It's beyond amazing. I thought when I got sober, I may as well get my knitting needles out yeah. and put a blanket on my knee because life is over. Yeah. And I had no comprehension mm. of how phenomenal and amazing and incredible and all these big words you know, that my life is. And people do call me Pollyanna and perhaps I am yeah. a little bit. But <laughs> I, so I'm you've gone from me. Sandy <laughs> to Pollyanna. I'm, I'm, I'm a Disney girl. <laughs> but I just, I, I get out of bed and before my feet hit the ground, I do my gratitudes. Mm. And I, my first one is, I'm so grateful that I'm sober. And then I'm so grateful for my sheets and my pillow and my dad, my husband beside me and and my legs work. I'm about to go for a run. And, and I it sets the tone for my day. So I deliberately do my gratitudes, mm. but they're authentic. And they can literally be, I've got hot water for a shower. If I'm having a day where I'm low, which isn't very often, but gratitudes work for me incredibly. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I, yeah. When they're real, they've got to be. Yeah, real. they've got. Yeah. You, you need to feel it. <clears throat> you do need to yeah. feel it. But when it's there, oh, like you want to scream it from amazing. the rooftop. Yeah. You know, like it's, you're you like I, I really day. feel like yeah. you know I love my bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you know, there like, are days when things are not going well. Where mm. I mean, I have a thing where mm. I say to myself because I try and do it before I get out of bed as well. Yeah. But yeah. What I actually prefer to do it when everyone's left the house and I'm by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if there are days when I can be so down and yeah. I'll be like, well, I better start off by saying, 
my gratitude is, well, I'm glad I'm not on fire right now. Yeah, is that really- I mean, that's a bit, that's a little bit extreme, but you know. <laughs> you know. And then I'm like, oh, but I'm actually, I've got a nice cup of tea. I'm in, yeah. a, I'm in a, and I've got this. And then it all yeah. I don't ask for anything. I yeah. think it's a thank you. And yeah. that goes against negative bias, which is yeah. what, mm. what we are. So, yes. Um, so since I've come out, I, I started an Instagram page at Lisa G Perfectly Imperfect, and I do. I started off doing happiness hacks. Every week I do a happiness hack, mm. and I talk about that hack that worked for me with happiness. And I would do what I called sober aerobics because I loved eighties old school aerobics, and I love being sober. So I started so this good. sober aerobics. Love, love and it. it. And every week I do a little three minute routine, and people would call me and say, "I just did your routine," and or an eighty year old woman videoed herself doing it and said, "I did this," and it was really important to me that they could do fitness in the home. Yes, because yeah. I know it's intimidating. So I started my sober aerobics, which I love. I've done it on TV and um, to to demonstrate that fitness is for everyone. You don't have to be fit and sexy. You know, start where you are, even if it's a step touch. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Let's do it. So I've done that. Um, I'm writing a book, which I'm so incredibly oh, wow. grateful for. Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah, yeah it's um. It's it's not just about sobriety. It's it's my journey, and I sort of from rock bottom to rock star. But and how life's not a straight line. And yeah. Some, some hints for how to get yourself out of your own way. Yeah. When you're feeling low, and you know, recently I've done a number of podcasts, and it sh- it actually showed me that I was turning my Instagram page away from sobriety, mm. and that was really interesting because it showed me there was still an element of shame that right. I had, which I hadn't thought about. Mm. And I was tending to take my Instagram page into fitness and fashion, and which I love. Yeah, I was just decreasing the, the sober stuff yeah. until I did these two really big podcasts like yours. Yeah. And um, I had all these women write to me and say, where's all your sober stuff? And, I, and it was like someone had just banged me on the head with a hammer. I mm. thought, what am I doing? Yeah. Why am I hiding from this? Yeah. So... If I don't have sobriety, I don't have anything else. Mm-hmm. So they are sober hacks now that I've gone back to. Mm. But I also show that if I'm not sober, I don't have the fashion. I don't have the fitness. So I still share it all, but yeah. I share specific sober yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, recently I, I shattered my elbow and I've had to have surgery. And that was really frightening because they said you can't run for 12 weeks. Mm. You can't drive for 12 weeks. Yeah. And that... To Again, freak you out. Oh my goodness, that is such a um, a tool for my sobriety, and it frightened me. Not enough to go back to a drink, of course, mm. but I know five years ago I would have numbed that pain with a drink, like, mm. oh, I can't run, and th- and it was really painful. Yeah, and I've never broken a bone. I had no idea my yeah. pain threshold's good. Wow. So I've had to really adjust, and I love that expression. Life's not a straight line, which. You're here, but until I experienced it, I was like, yeah, it's not a straight line. So I've had to pivot. Yeah. And life is about pivoting. Yeah. But I've mm. had to really pivot mm-hmm. and learn some new things, so much so that I'm not even working doing my training. I'm not working because I can't pick up dumbbells. I can't, in my mind, confidently give them a great experience. Yeah. yeah. So again, I'm pivoting and... Um, breaking news I got a job yesterday in a fashion store because <gasps> I figured you know it's I'm going to congratulations go boutique style yay no it's not great money it's not but it's it's a passion that I've had and love it exactly what you said yeah. about am I going to focus on what I can't do yeah or am I going to focus on what I can do yeah and I because I'm such an advocate of that 
okay, I can't train at the moment. How long am I going to say that for? Mm-hmm. Three mm-hmm. months? Yeah. Or am I going to say my passion is empowering women? I do it through fashion, yep. through I style them. Yeah. Great. Let's make that a, let's make that a, a new pivot. You know, don't I you love find that? that. That's well quite, done. Thank you. Congratulations. That's quite common, I think, with... <clears throat> We've spoken to other guests, well, um, one which hasn't come out yet, where one of my mates got sober and then went on a completely different... He'd yeah. it, worked in advertising his whole life and was a big advertising exec. And then now he's like, I volunteer in a, in a rehab and I do. Oh, wow. He said, I just... Everything in my life has completely changed. It's, yeah. it's and, and I think, yeah. you know, this is primarily focused towards the hairdressing barber mm. in the media industry. And we quite often say, and there's no money in hairdressing either, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is, but it's good. you've got to work for yes, it, right? Yes, yes. Um, but, um, the hourly rate's not You know, we, you kind of have to, you, you have to say to yourself, you know, we've heard this cliche, if you do... Do what you love. You never work a day in your life. Yeah. And there is definitely that with us mm. as hairdressers where we just, every hour, someone says, Clive, you're amazing. I love mm. what you've done. It's it's incredible. It's a, And that feeling yeah. that you get feeds yeah. you and you go, oh, and it's, I imagine it would be the same with, yeah. you know, mm. empowering and women. And the bottle, is it? You know, no, that, exactly. And that's the difference. The bottle, <clears throat> the bottle um, feeling of positivity decreases so quickly, whereas this one's long lasting and it's intrinsic. Yeah. It's not the extrinsic validation mm. which is something I know you know I guess we learn so much about our uh, weaknesses and I know that I love I mean all of us love validation but I really needed that mm. for a long period of time and I have to give it to myself mm. self-belief yeah. self-love self-worth is not coming from the bottle I know that yeah so I have to work on it so I know that my fitness works for me yeah and I've had to learn to to walk and I can be a really awful judgment, judgmental person. I, as I was running past the walkers, I'd say, why aren't you running? Now, I'm the walker. I'm the walker. That was me. I'd be Isn't like, funny how I'd be like I can't out. run because I get chafing. <laughs> she probably don't know what chafing means, right? Oh, yeah. No, okay. But I get it. So now I've had to pivot and I can laugh at myself. Yeah. Isn't that fun? Like, yeah. We have to laugh at ourselves yeah. because... If we can't take ourselves too seriously. Life is yeah. too short. And as yeah. I mentioned to you before, I tried to visit the big man upstairs. Mm. He sent me down and he said, you have work to do. This is my interpretation. Yeah, yeah. You have work to do. Yeah. You have to empower. I and I, mm. I feel so much passion yeah. to share what is authentically in me. Yeah. And yeah. I really do. Yeah. So congratulations. You. You've got a whole load of fitness and mm. you know, it sounds to me it looks to us like you've really you've really yeah, uh, yeah keeping on top of this which is incredible and so it's, it's still a work in progress absolutely yeah. it's a daily thing isn't it's, it and it yeah. never stops have been hungry <clears throat> so, you know i used to think i think we said before that i was always hungry yeah mm. and i was never happy and i love that expression i'm happy and hungry yeah happy and hungry. so tell us mm. how's your relationship now with your children now you're sober unbelievable um, you Can know, I used to hear people say, I'm a grateful alcoholic, and I think you're a loser. I'm never going to say that. <laughs> stupid thing to say. Stupid thing to give the middle finger. Loser. <laughs> and now I can yeah. look you in the eye and authentically say, yeah. I'm a grateful alcoholic because my life mm. is beyond what I thought it would be. I'm a better mother. Mm-hmm. I'm a better wife. I'm a better friend. My kids who said to me, you will never be in our lives again, and rightly so, mm. because I was selfish. I was a wow. liar. So they'd cut you off. 
Yeah, mm. and rightly so. Mm. I deserved that. Yeah. And initially I thought I want to do what I can to get them back and, and, you know, as we said in rehab, we have to do it for us. Yeah. And then the pebble in the pond yeah. works its way out. And, you know, the relationship with my children is amazing. My daughter who had said we're done mm. recently got engaged <gasps> and um, she said to me, Mum, I want you to come with my fiance, and um, would you come and help us choose the diamond? Oh, wow. now if that doesn't, if that's not the wow. absolute flip, wow! And I got goosebumps. I, I know. Once I that's so nice. And that uh, we talk on the phone. She lives in Canberra now. We talk on the phone every day, mm. and that's not me wrestling that to the ground. That is a natural flow on from me being a kind person. But let's be honest; it's because I'm sober. And they see how hard I work my program. They see how yeah. hard I work yeah. to not have that first drink. Yeah. And and the ripple effect just I, I, I keep getting blown away by the magic. Yeah. It's like could there be any more magic? Like there's a firework and I go, Wow, that's a great firework and I look and there's another one and there's another one and there's another one and it's all pure magic because I'm sober. So knitting needles. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right at the end, bam. <laughs> so put the knitting needles away. You know, like yeah. the, the idea of sitting down forever and knitting, please. Yeah. It is beyond amazing. Oh, Do you know amazing. what? We've said this in many episodes. That is that when you often take the, take the path you've taken, you don't give anything up. You get everything back. And it sounds mm. to me like you've yeah. got everything and back and more. Yeah. I've got one last question. Yes. I've got two, actually. Yes. So just quickly. They're very quickly. Well. <laughs> The Gucci shoes and the handbag you bought at the airport, did you sell them? Because they, I'm just thinking... Yeah. Why, do you want some money? No, no, because I'm thinking every time you'd look you look at them, you go, yes. they're a reminder Isn't of... That a, that's like, a great yeah. question. Do you and, know, I only pulled them out when we moved recently and because I had them at the top of my cupboard as a guilt, I couldn't look yeah. at them. Yeah, I'm thinking and that. I actually yeah. wore them to a, um, a 12-step meeting recently and I looked at them not as a guilt victim, stupid... I just looked at them and went great perspective here yeah and i shared about them and said this yeah. is where i was yeah and i can now wear mm. them um with shoulders back saying that was a really that was a really bad time in my life the same as i look back in addiction and say that was a bad time yeah but th- i love that drive your car you don't drive your car by looking in the revision mirror or you'd have a hell of a lot of accidents yeah. i look through the windscreen i glance in the revision mirror mm but I gaze forward, glance back, gaze forward, glance back, gaze yeah. forward. And then, my life, honestly, my life is amazing. Todd and I have this marriage that's just, we've been married, how old's Zara? 26, 27 years. Oh, wow. We are just so happy. We're like little teenagers. And we just had this second chance. And I do not waste a day, mm. but I exhaust him yeah. because I've got so much energy. But, you know, he's like, to can we just start winding <laughs> down now, you know? Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, and by the way, if you do want to get rid of that Gucci gear, let me yeah. know. Yeah. I've got a mate that's got a market store that jocks out dodgy gear with lots of real you know. stuff. Um, I'll let you know. Last question, and yes. we'll do this in 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. If you could speak to the 20 year old you mm-hmm. today, what would you say to them? Believe in yourself. Mm. Believe in yourself. You are worthwhile. Mm-hmm. You are lovable. You are enough. There you are. 
congratulations. Thank you for talking to Thank us today. You, so you have been amazing. Yeah. And uh, we've put all the show notes, your Instagram, all your yep. show notes, we'll, we'll put it yeah. all in there. Yeah, you we will. In the show notes. Don't forget yeah. to subscribe. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple and Spotify. Yep. And um, yeah. tell your friends. You this is Straight Edge, the podcast. Thank you, Lisa, for Thank coming you. in and sharing so your wisdom with us. It's been amazing. Thank you very much, Amy. Thanks.